Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I remember going to arcades as a kid. It was never like a big thing for me, but um, that was just a long ass time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't have the uh, experiences that you guys have. You guys definitely seem way more like it was part of your part of your upbringing as opposed to me, where it was somewhere I ended up a few times a year. No, I mean, I suppose we'll be talking all about this here in a minute, but I mean, you guys are a few years older than me, too. I think that, you know, yeah, that definitely plays into it, man. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, because, you know, before consoles were widespread in homes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Couch Co-op episode 10. Today we're going to sit back and talk about some of our favorite memories from going to the arcade as kids and well into adulthood. And today, in a rare instance of legitimacy, we actually have a real-life Twitch streamer joining us for our cast. Dennis, the Chody, please say hello to our audience. How we doing, audience? Uh, happy to be here. Thank you so much for for having me. Um, <laughs> you know, this is like quote unquote internet famous, so really uh, take it with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, stream on on Twitch. Stream Star Citizen at uh, twitchtv the underscore chody. Uh, that's C H O D I E. Feel free to come by anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Really looking forward to this with you. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about arcade games, and there's so much to the concept of attending the arcade, playing the games, the culture of it all. So I'm going to start off with you, Des. Why don't you tell us like one of your favorite games you remember from the arcade experience? Sure. Um, I, I, you know, just off the top of my head, um, you know, the very first game that comes to mind is NBA Jam. You know, thank you. <laughs> NBA Jam. You know, then there's a lot of other arcade games that were up there for me. Um, you know, like if I had to make a, a top 10 list, um, but NBA Jam takes the cake. That was the game that you, you know, had to get your quarters up, uh, you know, on the machine. And there was always a line of quarters, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And, people gathered around that machine with four people going at it, you know, and it, and it would get hot and sweaty and like, you know, the teenage boy body odor uh, was <laughs> thick uh, around NBA jam, um, you know, and, and so not only just like the aura of that game, but like things, um, you know, like the catchphrases in that game stick with me to this day. Um, and you know, one of my favorites is you bring the peanut butter because I'll bring the jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that, but um, <laughs> I don't remember that line. I remember the game vividly. That was actually one of my top favorites as well. I, awesome. I mean, I think like I didn't get to experience it nearly enough as a kid. I eventually played it a lot on console. But you had to pay a dollar <laughs> to play the whole game. You had to pay by the, you know, literally a quarter, but per quarter. It's a huge investment as a kid. Yeah. But I think the two-on-two aspect, especially for that era of the NBA, was perfect just because it made every team pretty legit. Just because each team has at least two superstars. And actually an underrated component to it, too, was Michael Jordan wasn't included. 
Right. So because of that, there were a lot of teams that you wouldn't normally consider that all of a sudden became like really like top tier, like Utah Jazz or, you know, Seattle Supersonics, Seattle Supersonics. Or if you want to be a real dick, you could play as the Detroit Pistons and beat the shit out of people with Bill Lambeer and then have <laughs> Isaiah Thomas to shoot from outside. That's funny you mentioned Detroit because uh, one of the developers at Midway actually made it so the Bulls, if, if uh, I, I can't remember exactly, but if you went to overtime or you could never go to overtime and win against Detroit as the Bulls, because one of the developers was from Detroit. And at that era, you know, the arch nemesis of Detroit was Chicago. Um, and so, you know, that I just find the, that kind of stuff um, amazing. Right? programming. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, that's he, amazing. He his bias into the game. So as someone who, who did not play this game uh, religiously as a child, who, who, so it was Pippen and who on the Bulls and why was there no Jordan? Uh, no Jordan because of licensing. Yeah, uh, uh, Shaq wasn't on the home console either. But it was funny because with Shaq, they actually gave his stats to Nick Anderson, who was actually a decent pro, but he was more of an outside shooting kind of like swing man. And all of a sudden he has the stats of Shaquille O'Neal. So, but yeah, Jordan, they couldn't include because he had his own game, I recall, or something like that. Something to do with this. Did they licensing. have running around with Pippen, like Kukoc? Or? No, it was, be- it was before Kukoc, so... B.J. Armstrong, and I forget the third. Horace Grant. Horace Grant. There you go. Okay. Yeah, no, it was – NBA Jam was just so perfect, too, because actually it's funny when I think about, like, the style of play of that, very similar to what you see in modern NBA now. Like, yeah, like, dunking was a huge component to it. You could – you know, and there's the violence component. You can't shove people in the pros. But, like, the outside shooting and, like, the speed of it, it was what really one of the first like basketball games I ever played where it was like the emphasis was to get the ball up the court as fast as fast as possible yeah. and shoot as fast as possible, which is literally what you're seeing in the modern NBA now. It also, again, the emphasis was supposed to be on dunking, hence the title and the fact that you could break the rim in the fourth quarter. Right. But if you really wanted to be good at it, it was about getting it up, dishing it out and shooting the outside shots with, you know, uh, Penny Hardaway was my favorite guy actually in that game because he was by far the fastest and way overrated but yeah Yeah, reggie miller uh that's right india the indiana pacers at the time um you know were were another good pick because you had uh reggie miller and rick smiths you had the inside outside um you know on lock and smith since he was what seven four in real life blocked everything in that game so i some of my favorite memories was actually like getting hot and just like how much uh leeway that that allowed you so if you make consecutive shots or x amount of jams like you get to a point where you just pretty much got a buff in it right yeah absolutely yeah yeah it was hilarious you could hit anything once you were on fire so he's on fire yeah yeah Yeah. and then they you know they tried to follow it up with what nfl blitz and there was a hockey equivalent too but it just didn't have the charm of the basketball. I, again, I think it really, something about the sport of basketball, it was perfect for just the speed of it, the ability to get, you know, get in, jump right into it, be good at it, uh, which is important for an arcade game. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, unfortunately, was, an, oh, and was NFL Blitz, did that ever make it to the arcade? Blitz? Oh, yeah. yeah. Blitz was in the arcade. Okay. 
Um, I don't recall playing that one. I just remember, you know, Blitz was like, hey, we're going to triple suplex the guy on a tackle, right? <laughs> yeah, back when we glorified concussions in the NFL. Right. <laughs> right. I played Blitz on the console. It was pretty damn fun. Nice. Blitz was one of those ones where I think like the sound of it was funny, like because it was always that game that would be in the corner and all those old midway ones, like they always had it just cranked up the volume, so you just hear like a guy getting suplex constantly over and over and over again. You're like, ah, good times, man. Yeah, you know, and I think that was I, I kind of forgot about that. Um, you know, that that was part of the draw of the NBA Jam arcade cabinet was like you would walk by and they had. Uh, that music was loud and, and the video was the highlight reel of like the players in the game. Um, and you just, you couldn't help but walk by at the height of Michael Jordan's era and the NBA's, you know, popularity and go, mm, I'm playing that. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Especially coming out of kind of like, cause it was, it was a new era of the NBA where like, that was like the tail end of like the old Detroit Pistons beat them up kind of, so they had some element of that, but it was also embracing kind of the finesse of the modern game. I like how we have Dennis on the podcast and we've turned this into like a 20 minute conversation about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we've all played together or wait, Matt, I don't, maybe we haven't, but uh, you know, yeah, there was a reason why I loved NBA jam. I mean, I grew up living, eating and breathing hoops. Yeah, no, I'm short, so I was the opposite. I was the guy who had to live vicariously through playing the game, and that was the only time I could feel like I had some athletic inclination. So, <laughs> All right, uh, moving along. Dave, what kind of games did you play when you went to the arcades, either in youth or in the modern-day beer arcade scene that's uh, becoming more and more popular these days? Um, my bread and butter was fighting games. Uh, Street Fighters, your Mortal Kombat, Killer Instinct, uh, nice. Virtua Fighter 1 and 2. Like, so those, those were the games that I naturally gravitated to. I remember getting my Sega Genesis and the first game I got was Mortal Kombat. And then my friend had a Super Nintendo and he had Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo Edition. So as far as being introduced into gaming, those were my first two rock solid links into, into that genre. So going to the arcade um, was often not like the most common thing for me. Um, I was explaining to Matt earlier that in junior high, if you maintained a certain GPA of 3.7 or higher, there's a day out of the year where they would just shove all those kids on a bus and send you off to the mall. So, you know, you would take your 20 bucks that you got from your parents and then either go spend it, you know, at a shop or whatever. But my friends and I went to the arcade after getting our stomach full at the old country buffet because you know it was about six bucks <laughs> <laughs> so you know we'd, we'd hit the arcade with 14 dollars, and you know you would uh you'd put your quarters up you know and it'd be like the same scenario and i remember killer instinct 2 coming out and that being the game where there was probably about five to six boys really i've never seen a girl there but there'd be boys just all like huddled around a screen watching who's doing the longest combos, you know, and then seeing who can like just maintain control of that side of the arcade game. So, but I have a lot of other, you know, there's other ones that strike my memory, X-Men, the Simpsons arcade game. I jammed on those quite a bit and those were fun because you could have three more of your friends on them. There are four players. So, 
And they were definitely very um, noticeable in the arcade because they were usually about two screens or, you know, about two screens wide and had four joysticks. So, you know, it was just a good memory. But I was going to say those ones are great too. Like if you were ever like, I, I know like when I was younger, like we'd go to like kid would have a birthday party at like an arcade and you go and everyone has like five bucks and quarters. And those games were usually great because everyone could play along together and, and they were just quarter munchers. Like they were designed to just waste your money, but still had a good time, still had the licensed, you know, shit. So you had a great time, you know, seeing like your favorite Simpsons characters appearing like in the background or, you know, playing as random X-Men or X-Men you never heard of. Like wasn't Dazzler one of the ones you could be? I, still... I think I know certain editions. The, the one I remember was Colossus, Wolverine, Storm and Cyclops. And Colossus had that obnoxious power move where he just went and just whatever was around him got you know killed but you definitely knew who was playing Colossus because he would just make that obnoxious sound so I was gonna say you touched on something that was kind of cool too with the fighting game scene because I felt like the fighting games were kind of like the focal point of the arcades at least for me growing up, like you walk in and, you know, originally it was the Street Fighter 2 was like the yep. first one that took everything by storm. Yep. And then Mortal Kombat was like the taboo element because like all the gore and, all, you know, Blood. being, a, yeah, and being a little kid and you're trying to look over some old kid, you know, teenager's shoulder to see like some guy get his heart ripped out. Yeah, rip yeah. his head off. <laughs> yeah, and you just got, and then you get all the playground rumors about like, oh yeah, I heard if you get to the last boss, he has like an M60 and he just shoots you or whatever. It was all bullshit because right. nobody had played it, let alone was good enough to get there. But or could afford it. Yeah, yeah, but then like really getting to the place Plumber was describing, where you have to like actually gear up and put down your quarters and essentially throw down the gauntlet to challenge whoever's yeah. been in, in charge of that cabinet for however many minutes or hours. So it, it was a really weird experience when you think about the fact that you're in a public setting with people in age range from 12 to probably 60 and anybody could be playing alongside each other. But it, for whatever reason, it worked, at least in my town. I mean, yeah, it worked where I grew up. It was, uh, it was pretty cool watching the initial sprite-based games, such as your Super Street Fighter II turn into the more photorealistic Mortal Kombat type game. And then I remember Virtua Fighter coming out and that really kind of was impressive at the time, but now, you know, would seem pretty comical. But having a 3D polygonal based fighter game, you know, where I think the camera also rotated. I can't be certain it's been so long since I played it, but uh, just watching how that split off on a technical you know, on a, on a higher like degree of technology going on within that dynamic was pretty cool, you know, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember which came first, um, but yeah, Virtua Fighter rotated the camera. Um, and I don't recall if this was Tekken or Tekken 2, but you could also rotate the camera. Um, and then I think it depended on the character, right? Like with yeah. Eddie who would yeah. roll, uh, we, you know, would also turn the camera. Um, you know, that was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I like those ones too because they had the replay, or at least Virtua Fighter did, where if you beat somebody, which was actually almost more embarrassing than a fatality, where in the sense that like you would like lose on like a last minute blow or something and have to watch it repeat itself like three times in a row. It's like, oh, damn it. Well, you know, just on the note of 
um, like multiplayer games and games that had more than two people. Um, you know, and I think this this goes back like probably predates the you know the Tekkens and and Virtua Fighters, but um, Super Off Road um, and 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 was it Pole Position um, where you know with Super Off Road you had three people who each had a steering wheel. That's right. Yeah, the three colors, right? The yeah, red, exactly, yellow, and right? blue, right? Yeah, you know, and if you were the middle guy, your friends were like always helping <laughs> you, elbowing you, and you're trying, you know, as the middle guy, you're getting it from two sides, and you know, you're always getting screwed, um, you know. And so that was really fun, but like the you know places that had or the arcades that had, um, you know, the sit down um, indie racing, you know, next to uh, your you know a friend, um, those were also amazing. Um, because it was like literally, you know, like you're sitting in the car. Um, you yeah. Know, and so that stuff was really fun. Yeah. I always thought yeah. those ones were cool too. Cause like uh, that, I mean, admittedly, I like, I learned more from, about that about cars at a young age than I did like ever working on anything in the backyard. That's for certain. But uh, no, but just the thing like manual transmission and all that, like some of those games, like you had that option, it would actually benefit you quite a bit if you learned how to utilize it. And, you know, when you're a gaming nerd, you like you, any advantage you can find, you're going to take it. So, yeah, I remember uh, cruising USA, you know, you had your yep. car choice where you could do all wheel or um, was it rear wheel mm -hmm. and then having automatic or manual really made a big difference as far as like how you're handling your spin outs right. or how you're handling your turns. So great. Uh, game. Yeah. Love yeah. that one. I remember that being expensive. I think usually about two quarters to a full dollar for those. So <laughs> it was that, definitely... that was another part of the experience though. Like it was super important to like ration your money and you'd, you'd have to walk through. Cause a lot of the arcades, at least that I went to, like it was kind of like the fun center slash arcade. So you would have like, you know, the token machines where it's like, Oh, play whack-a-mole and you can get a bunch of these, tokens and you maybe get some candy or like a cheap plastic toy and it's like no nah, no nah. what why would you dump quarters yeah. into that when you yeah. can be off here playing street fighter alpha like yeah. oh I, I yeah victory that's what <laughs> yeah, <I> yeah. Mean. <laughs> and, like, you don't understand like i'm good at this i enjoy this even then uh marvel versus capcom was so amazing because you had not just one but three characters that you could you know tap in and out of right you know and that and that was a quarter. So that was definitely a game that I enjoyed playing a lot of <laughs> more bang for your buck on that, on that note. Yeah, man, Marvel. Oh gosh. I feel like my memory is just getting jogged here. I remember I'm it's like all of a sudden I, I hadn't thought about Marvel versus Capcom and I don't know how long. And I'm going, <laughs> oh yeah. Which I, I can remember, you know, the Marvel superheroes, but I feel like the Capcom side is a bit of uh, a blur. Dude, Captain Commando. Um, was one of them it, it got was... super niche yeah after the first few iterations so that that's understandable i mean okay. but yeah there was like strider made a cameo in there like it, they had some real interesting characters throughout but uh i remember the the original like uh was a x-men like fighting game like i thought it was this huge deal it's like oh they got the voice actors from the animated series to like you know be a part of this or whatever and it's like kind of the birth of this whole like super larger than life like licensing thing like like that was the first like video game that i ever saw where it's like wow they really just plastered pretty much this show into a video game and made it more than competent even though it's literally just you know the street fighter engine basically 
but that was huge i mean that definitely uh was one of the ones that like at least in my youth like everyone want, gravitated towards probably because yeah. we grew up playing the x-men game the plumber mentioned right i mean and it had all the the characters that you knew the moves that you knew right and it was just a mashup mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, something to be said for like if you pick cyclops you know you get to shoot shit right yeah, <laughs> like, right exactly exactly or iron man in his shoulder cannon i remember <sighs> that magneto i could go through all, like a whole list of characters like I still probably consider that probably one of the best fighting games ever created was Marvel versus Capcom 2. And, you know, just having so many, such a wide range of just different characters and what they brought to the strategy of the game was pretty insane, you know. Strategy? Strategy? <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. Button masher? <laughs> no, man, like having Wolverine and Venom on and then having like, you know, captain commando on your team such a deadly trio but you know then you just get countered by someone that you know did uh magneto iron man and like cable and just like kept you at a distance and then once you got your power level activated you know you would hit that that all magical like super attack where all three of them came up onto the screen you know and just like threw all their force at you you know so I feel like I'm smelling burnt popcorn at the moment. You know, like I'm, I'm hearing the sounds of the air hockey table, you know, that I used to have to walk by, you know, when I got to the arcade. Um, you know, we didn't even mention actually my favorite like genre though, honestly, in the arcade, which was the, the light gun games. Like, uh, there were so many of those games. And part of it like was the stuff you had alluded to before, Dennis, like the sound and like just, they were so damn loud all the time. Like, Terminator 2 is the first one that comes to mind just because you'd constantly hear that rattle because it gave you a machine gun, which was awesome. Shit game. But like, but I did appreciate that it's still literally the only Terminator, I think, that has given us the future war setting, which is such a low-hanging fruit. And I don't know why nobody has made a film about that yet, but I digress. Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, um, not not that this is arcade based, but the future war setting in games, um, just video games in general, I, I think is lacking. You That's know, fair, actually. That's or been it. missed. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, you know, but on the the light gun note, um, you know, T two was a big one. Uh, Area fifty one uh, is another one. <laughs> yeah, I remember Area fifty one. Yeah, it time some quarters on that. Time crisis. Oh, time crisis uh, time crisis yeah. was probably the best in my right. opinion the second one in particular where you could play with two people at once um that was just something awesome was but that the one that had the pedal where you yeah. like would hide behind the cover you oh, know so it? i believe it had a pedal mechanic it had a pedal right. and it also the gun actually had like it would click every time you fired it like it actually like had you know that whole mechanic to it so it was really cool but uh, one of my favorite actually is uh, Lethal Enforcer because I don't think that they this game is probably trying they're probably trying to scrub it from the memory of everybody. It was a cop simulator, a dirty hairy cop simulator. It had the same graphics like from the old like Mortal Kombat NBA Jam where it looked like real people, like photorealistic, and all the bad guys had sunglasses. And they all looked like Jean Claude Van Damme villains, and they would just like wore trench coats and would just pop out of corners and shoot you. But then there'd also be civilians that would randomly pop up. And if you shot the civilian, you only lost a life, but the game continued. <laughs> so 
So, not only can you run around blowing the shit out of civilians while you're continuing to chase after these villains, but so you say you you say it wouldn't do well in today's world, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the reason this game stands out to me, not because of like how comedic it was, because this game actually was one of the ones during the old uh, trials when when uh, government officials were trying to ban video games. It was this oh. one, Night Trap, and few others and this one because it came with a gun on the home console called the justifier that looked exactly like a revolver <laughs> you like that no name <laughs> the justifier wow but uh because the revolver looks so realistic they made a big stink and it was eventually banned i think they brought out like a blue and pink version to try to do it that way and it just wasn't good enough but I'll always remember this game because it was another one where we were talking about like the economics of being a kid in the arcade and having to use your money the right way. And I'll never forget one of my buddies playing this game because it was a two-player simultaneous game. He just said, fuck it, took a whole dollar, put it into the game, picked up both light guns and was doing it dual, <laughs> did the dual wielding. <laughs> and as nice. a, like a 10-year-old, that was the coolest fucking thing I had ever seen. <laughs> yeah. He went all in. Yeah, and it was like it was a dollar into the thing, which was a huge commitment. But it was right. like, how long did he last? Probably thirty seconds. I mean, <laughs> there's right. no way. I mean, imagine Area Fifty One. I mean, it was the same engine, so okay, terrible. Yeah. Like, probably went home early that day. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, you could go back even further. You know, some of the, I don't. I, some of the games that we've talked about um, were popular really toward the, the decline of arcades. Um, but if you go back a little further, right, uh, like Star Wars um, had... Uh, yeah, that, was that's it? right. Yeah. yeah, vector graphics, um, mm -hmm. you know, game uh, that was pretty dang cool. You know, I remember dropping a lot of money on that. At, you know, sorry, in, in that, a lot of money is in quotes there uh, as a child. <laughs> Um, you know, spent my fair share uh, of time sitting down playing Pac-Man against people. That's um, right. Yeah. The Pac-Man, the flat surface. And yeah. Um, I, you know, I thought those, you know, at the time, you know, five, six, seven years old, whatever, um, you know, being lucky enough to go to the arcade, sitting down playing centipede, you know, on the, the tabletop style with a hot dog. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like everything's all greasy, um, but, uh, you know, <sighs> see, I always think too, of, um, those SNK cabinets that you would see everywhere. Cause I feel like those were kind of the ones that like, if you were in the non-traditional arcade setting, you would always see these in like the pizza places or mm. like just some family restaurant where they're like, Hey, we can make some quarters off these kids. I, mm. I, I would play them a lot on a laundromat near my house, honestly, but, uh, yeah. Didn't those cabinets, they had multiple games in them, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. it would have, I think Samurai Showdown was probably one of the biggest ones. Then okay. eventually, like, Metal Slug, uh, I would see mo in more places. But, yeah, a lot of the time you can pick between, like, at least four games. Okay. Which, again, if if you're only going to sit here in, like, a greasy, you know, laundromat <laughs> to play dump quarters into just an arcade game, like, that's all you need as a kid, so... Yeah, right. As a, a proprietor of a small business, you're like, wow, that's bang for the buck. I got four for one. <laughs> totally. 
So yeah. I remember living on <clears throat> military base and they had a bowling alley that had a, a pizza parlor in it, but also an arcade. And one of my favorite ones was, uh, I'm going to say it's 1941, whereas a you're looking over the top of a, you know, yeah, just a yeah, World yeah, War II yeah. plane. And those still are some of my favorite games and they've just been kind of rebooted and, you know, hooked up with the nicer graphics as we've gotten older, but uh, still to my memory, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Those are uh, some of my favorite to watch playthroughs of now as an old man, go on the old YouTube and look up just like some person who can just beast the whole thing without blowing up once when I could last maybe 45 seconds in those games. Yeah, the, the perfectly there's something to be said for the perfectly timed loop-de-loop in those games, right? Where <laughs> you can't get out, you can't go left, you can't go right, you can't go up, you can't go down or forward or back, excuse me. Um, but you can do your loop-de-loop. Uh, you know, that was like the saving grace. Yeah, or like the, getting all the upgrades and having like oh, your uh, massive screen killing bomb, you know, that, yeah. that you would save for the, the level boss at the end. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, the bomb that just wipes everything and saves your life multiple times. So, yeah, but, man, yeah. you're right, though, Dennis, like something about that setting, like they always had a distinct smell, at least the places I went to, because the, the shit pizza usually yeah. like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The burnt popcorn, the B.O. Um, and there was always like a dad in the corner, you know, with like either, you know, if the place served beer, he had a beer. But if it didn't, he still had a beer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they always had the games, too, just for the dad, like the Papa right. Shot or something where it right. was like, OK, or like air hockey. That, air you know, hockey. If he yeah. got drug out by the wife, they can sit down and play that. So. Skee-ball. Skee-ball, yeah. And yeah, and being a kid, you were walking by, it's like, who the fuck would play this shit? But <laughs> yeah, the good stuff's over here. Follow me. You were talking about games that were like kind of just dying off in the the heyday of the arcade era. Uh, one I came across was uh, it is Gauntlet Legends, and I remember that one being special because you could actually like save your character in essence, I believe. In the arcade. Yeah, if really? you put your initials in, and I think you could like recover that and then continue on with your game. But that was also a game that you could share with other people as well. I think, share. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't remember like Gauntlet Legends specifically, but, you know, Gauntlet, you know, was another one of these, you know, it was four players, uh, you know, at the same time. Um, and, you know, any of those games were always fun. Um, but, man, it, it if you in an arcade game uh if you could save your progress by putting your initials in and recall that that's pretty advanced um you know because they probably had kilobytes of memory in that thing to do that um which was not cheap uh you know because what we're talking early 90s i would assume no late 90s oh late 90s yeah, yeah that, that, probably... that was definitely a later one okay yeah. mm. I'm sure it was one of those features that probably only worked as long as it never got shut off. <laughs> and then the asshole who yeah. arcade just <laughs> the end of the night just shuts everything down. Right. Kills the circuit board. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I would assume it was volatile memory anyway. So like if it got unplugged or anything like that, it was gone. I just remember it being a dollar a pop. So Ooh. super expensive to play. Yeah, okay. that, that's definitely the tail end of the arcade era for certain. <laughs> the other one I enjoyed, uh, I don't know if you gentlemen played this one, but Sunset Riders. 
that was another one of those four player Konami games where this was a cowboy themed one where you're running around, it's a run and gun, but it just had a ton of memorable bosses, most of which would probably get this game immediately stricken from shelves if it was released in this era. But it was just super fun. Like essentially you'd have your four buddies and you'd just be side by side, just rolling through it, just, you know, and just generic bandits coming out at you and you'd just bullets flying everywhere. Just a really good time. I mean, I feel like Konami, most people probably remember the Ninja Turtle arcade games that they did. Uh, Very similar fashion, just cowboy. Imagine a cowboy skin with guns. Just a grand old time. Yeah, I I think I, I mean, I have like a vague recollection of this game, I think. Do you, is there like a bar uh, or like saloon setting for any of it where you've got to save like, like a damsel in distress kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, you're in you're in the tavern. You're fighting two brothers that are throwing dynamite at you. Oh, and if you okay. happen to beat them, they yeah. then the damsels in distress treat you to a burlesque show because you know exactly. it was the early '90s and that was right. what happened, right? <laughs> like, I should have put more quarters in, man. <laughs> <laughs> there was another light gun game too that I would be remiss not to mention, but I. This one didn't come over stateside as much, but I played it in Japan. It was based off of Golgo 13, oh. which was kind of the anime equivalent of James Bond. Right, yeah. Um, but his signature weapon is an M16 that's like hyper-modified, and because it's Japan and all they know about firearms is what they could gleam from picking up magazines from the States. But sure. it's an M16 uses a sniper rifle. But in this game, you're actually, it's all sniper missions. Now, there was a shitty game in arcades. I believe it was called Sniper Elite, where it was more like a target range thing where you would sit down and it had the whole giant sniper rifle that you'd lead into. This one, it it looked like an M16, and all the missions were super cool because it was like kind of the spy nature thing. So even though like all you're trying to do is hit a moving target or hit a stationary target at distance, they'd add in a cool element. Like one of them is a plane's taking off with like some drug kingpin in it. And you have to see him in the window and snipe him before it gets out of range. There's another one where a guy's getting dropped through the gallows. You have to shoot the rope before he gets hung. So Um, this is a really cool game. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that like time is a thing, right? So many of these games that were doing like, ingenuitive um you know or like implementing these ideas that you know we take for granted now they were like ground bacon breaking back then yeah um you know like that what you're describing um would be cool to this day right um yeah you know but this was how long ago um you know so and and i don't and I, and what and what was this game called again uh golgo 13 something involving sniper rifle i oh I... okay um well the I didn't realize there was more than one Golgo game. Um, you know, the only one I'd ever played, well, at least, was for the uh, original NES. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, that one was really fun, too. It was. Underrated game. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there is one I, I don't... There is one arcade um, cabinet I don't think we've mentioned yet that I, I know, at least for me, was... And this predated your Street Fighters, your Marvels versus Capcoms. Um, uh, and, I, and I think it might even have been in the 80s. Um, but that's Double Dragon. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, Double Dragon. Classic. 
yeah, you know, who didn't want to break a bottle and, and, and you know, stab people, right? <laughs> this is, I learned this from Double Dragon, you know? Uh, I just remember the demo of like a bunch of gang members walking up to your girlfriend character and one of them just slugging her in the stomach and throwing her over the And it would just be on repeat constantly. You know, and yeah, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to put their quarters into that machine to save the lady? That, see, that's there's a game I brought up that it's it came later. It was birthed because of the success of Double Dragon, which was Final <laughs> Fight, where oh. same sort of thing. Like the demo is that the mayor, who happens to be a former professional wrestler, decides to crack down on crime in the area. So the crime bosses abduct <laughs> his daughter. And so all you see is like his daughter, for whatever reason, is there a bra and she's strapped to like a time bomb or a bunch of dynamite in a vest. And it's just like, you need to save your daughter. And hence he takes to the streets and beats up every punk one Man. by one. Man, 13 year old me is putting my quarters in that left and right. Uh, I just wanted to, to also like bring up the fact that, you know, what we've been talking about, I'm pretty sure so many other people at RH have remembered that are more business minded have, you know, combined that with the adult being able to order cocktails and have your wine, you know, and I remember Matt and I a few times uh, going to a bar in Seattle where they had just a coin machine, you know, and you can go order your beer, your IPA or, you know, your red wine or your white wine and just go hit up an arcade game, you know? And I feel like that, I mean, with the pandemic going on, obviously that place is probably the last place that's been open, you know, and who knows if they're still around, but, you know, that's something that I'm pretty excited to check out again and hopefully, you know, get back to. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, as a kid, you're not, you're not thinking about having a, an adult beverage in your hand, right? But like, <laughs> when you get older, um you know it it makes it even more fun i think it is kind of cool though too like because what dave's describing makes total sense i mean it's playing to the nostalgia it's what's allowed right. us to sit here and talk for an hour about all these things we still hold up memories of right but i think the arcade experience was also cool because that was like one of the first times where I, I guess it harkens back to the era where like people still assume kids didn't know shit like and it was like the first business model i ever saw where they just went full into like kids seem to appreciate these flashing lights and joysticks let's just fill a room full of this shit and see what happens and for a short window of time people actually did pretty well it seemed at least you know in theory like i was a kid i don't know about the economics behind it but yeah i I, you know before we started the show tonight you know i was telling jack like you know, I was the kid who would take an hour bus ride to get there, you know, to the arcade, you know, and ride the bus home. You know, it was a two hour round trip, you know, just to go spend the the $3 that I had in quarters. Um, Jeez, that's yeah. impressive. And, and so, you know, if I was going to those lengths, I mean, I, I mean, I can only imagine like kids all over the, all over the country, all over the world wanting to do, you know, the same thing just to go. And, you know, feel the exhilaration of standing in front of the cabinet, swinging the stick around, no matter what the game was. And yeah. That was like the magic behind it was that. And then also, you know, at the same time, you could play, you know, your Street Fighters and your Mortal Kombat's on a console, but <clears throat> you might be playing your friend that just consistently dominated you, 
you know, so it probably got frustrating over a period of time, but whereas an arcade, you know, you don't know these people. So you might either have a fair shot or you might see that you're walking up to someone that's definitely out of your league, you know, you know, but using cheap moves, like just constantly like low swooping, you know, kicks, you know, and you're like, oh, I, I, I can play this guy. And on that note, like there was no internet, at yeah. least for a large part of this, right? This was the online multiplayer right but it was real life multiplayer uh, i was gonna say and and that that's a great point because actually like one of the things i remember so much from that experience was if you were actually like interested in video games and read like the dork magazines like i did Nintendo like power exactly or like <laughs> you but you would hear about like the new iteration like i remember uh, it was mortal kombat 3 like added mm. like a combo system which didn't exist in the previous iteration so i remember when that came out in the arcade i had read up on it so i was aware that it's like hey by the way you're gonna have to change your play style and so it was a really cool experience i remember being in an arcade and like you would see people who loved diehard mortal kombat fans but they would just couldn't adapt to it because they weren't aware they existed and so it was kind of neat like same uh david mentioned killer instinct that was another one like that had a super like deep combo system that if you weren't prepared for that like you were gonna get your ass kicked so it was kind of neat too, though, because there was no internet and yeah, there was gamer magazines, but they could only tell you so much. So there was also that element of like, you had to rely on your buddies to tell you like tricks or whatever. You had to rely on some random guy in the arcade to be like, Hey, by the way, if you go behind here, that's what an extra life is or, you know. Yeah. Well, and this is also how the rumor mill starts, right? Like you were talking about earlier with, oh, well, you know, the boss guy has a gun and he just shoots you, you know, which was, was BS, right? But you believed it because you never made it there. So true. <laughs> yeah. Like Scorpion in Mortal Kombat 2. Like, you know, that was one of the, the first, like, <clears throat> if you didn't know how to get to him, he didn't exist, but he was actually in the game. Yeah. You know, I never got to him, but it's been confirmed that he's in it so yeah so in in mortal Kombat, or was it noob cybot yeah yeah my apologies um well i there's i mean, i have so many fond memories um you know growing up uh, and having like the ability to like to get to this arcade um and you know i remember moving away i i don't i think that you know I graduated high school in, in 97. Right. And I think the arcade was probably on its last legs at that point in time, but like, you know, coming back home, you know, in a year or whatever it was and driving by and going, ah, the arcade what happened to the arcade, you know, <laughs> but, but at that point it was like, everybody had their AOL discs. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say too, like the other side of it, like, I wonder like, like David mentioned, like kind of the new barcade thing, that, which is big. It, it's popping up all around many cities now. But one, like the major focal one in, in Seattle is, was Gameworks. And the thing with Gameworks that always sucked is when it first started, it was too damn expensive. Like each game was, I think, a minimum a dollar to play. And now they've since added an element where, it's, you know, you pay 20 bucks and I think you get an unlimited pass to just play whatever you want. But there's something lacking to that, I think, that I'm curious to see what future generations' opinion of arcade will be. Because 
all the games we're describing, part of it was because of that, like youth economics of like, I have five dollars and quarters. I need to make this last. I need to really put this into the games I adore or that they draw me in somehow. And you don't have that if you have an unlimited pass card. You just like you play whatever and it's like you realize instantly, oh, this game sucks and you walk away. So you don't get that charm of like dumping like three bucks into like Akari Warriors, hating every second of it, but trying to make the most of it because it's the only one available at the moment, you know? I want to say, I think the general atmosphere too, but like Gameworks is like well lit, huge, you know, definitely like well plotted out. And I remember the arcade going to in the mall as being just in a small corner, dark, dungy, like Dennis was saying, full of like, you know, teenage boy smells and like poor pizza, you know, and I think that was one of the things about going to GameWorks. So it's like, it won the expense, but also it just kind of lost touch with that, that, you know, that's that dunginess of just being in an arcade. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for the pecking order that is established by the quarters on the bezel of the screen. You know, absolutely. I, uh, <laughs> that that was the law. All right. You knew what year your quarter was. You knew, you know, where you like where you were and in when you got to play if it was a popular game. And that was part of the draw, right? Everybody wanted to play that new game. You had to get your quarters up on that bezel. Um, and with a twenty dollar pass, like ah, whatever, you know, it kind of it removes that um that cue um you know or that hierarchy um that was established by by george washington you know um <laughs> so you know i i and, and as an adult sure whatever you know i'll go i'll go give gameworks my 20 bucks and you know put a, a snow cap in my hand like dave and i did a couple years back and and have a great night um you know but really you know some of the fond memories, you know, that I'm talking about are, are have to do with queuing up. Queuing up was like that was the order, and you couldn't cut the line. Everybody knew. Now nah, my quarter's right there. You better step back. <laughs> you know, um, you know. So yeah, not not quite the same. And you you were always playing the guy that was winning that last game. Right. So you know, it was like <laughs> you would see a guy. You know, you, you're the fifth quarter down, and all of a sudden your quarter's up, and it's still that one guy, and you're like, oh, shit. You yeah. know, like, yeah. I, right. I've been waiting here for 10 minutes just to get my ass kicked, you know? So. Yeah, but on, on the other side, too, there was also that part of it where it was like, because there was that, like, honor system, like, you definitely would reach a point where you'd be kind of lurking, and you'd be like, okay, there's five fighting games here, and that guy looks like a noob. I yeah. know I'm going to take him out, right. even though I don't necessarily want to play Samurai Showdown right now. Well, yeah, because then you could get on the game and, you know, make the most of your money while everybody just challenged you. No, exactly. And, yeah. like, maybe you draw a small crowd, depending on how good the game is or you are, so. Right, right. Well, um, you know, I think there was the only game genre, like, we talk, kind of talked about, like, you know, obviously fighting games, racing games. Do you guys remember, like, you know, I guess we did talk about, um, you know, Battlefield 1941 and 42 and whatnot, uh, like, kind of top-down. But do you guys remember, like, Afterburner, um, you know, or any other flight games? I remember very vaguely. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I had been meaning to ask you. 
um, because I feel like we did get robbed of the joy of experiencing a great arcade flight simulator slash combat sim mm -hmm. and you being the expert on star citizen. Um, yeah, I am. I'm curious to see what you played because obviously well, I, there's some love there. The only one that I, I truly spent any time on was afterburner. Right. And um, I don't, man, I don't have like the greatest detail of memory anymore, but all I can tell you is that I loved afterburner because the best thing in the game was the title. It was the afterburner. All right. <laughs> and you would get in fights and you would just, you would afterburn your way out or you would afterburn your way to a better position. Um, and that's what made it, made it great. It was, it was just a simple, you know, simple game um, that, gosh, I don't, I don't even know if I made it very far in. Um, but that was one of the first games that I can recall going, oh man, you know, it, flying, flying in video games is pretty fun. Um, and now here I am with like, fancy flight sticks and whatnot to play <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, Star Citizen. I was going to say, Dave, you played uh, one of the air combat games, right? With the virtual reality headset. So uh, yeah, Ace Combat 7. Or Ace Combat. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I played that. based on that, like we're never going to see somebody actually devote the time to build a whole console for the arcade where somebody can sit in and feel it shake and vibrate and make all sorts of noise and have a good grand old time well maybe somewhere out there <laughs> yeah. on the internet but i was gonna say uh i don't know if you guys ever played a game called virtual on uh it was a sega fighting robot game um kind of similar graphic engine to like virtual fighter but that one was the closest i experienced where you actually like had to sit like nestle into like a real cockpit to play and you had a weird joystick that you had to manipulate to do all your combat with. And it was really cool. Very hard, extremely hard game. Um, another one that would just eat up your quarters, but that was the closest I experienced. And I'm pretty sure they took a similar engine and turned that into all those tank games you would see in places like uh, GameWorks, where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you get the first person view and you're sitting in something, but you're really not doing a lot. This was like breakneck action and, you know, probably the closest I can imagine to, uh, you know, flight game. I, I just, you know, I never played that. Um, but I do remember, I think Afterburner was like a, a Sega game and it was also, um, you know, like breakneck action. Um, and it was, you know, where you, you weren't, you weren't top down, right. You were looking at the jet from the rear view. Um, yeah. 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 You, but it was it, but like, it was 3d and whatnot. And, you know, and enemies coming at you and you actually had like targeting, um you know and so you know i think it that that the, that kind of game right started with the top down um you know idea but then as like the technology and, and graphics were able to improve then you were able to kind of get a little bit more depth out of it yeah way cool now i i think those were <laughs> we just ran through quite a gamut there so if you gentlemen oh, yeah. have any other ones to bring up by all means um, I currently I'm drawing a blank though. I think I've covered just about everything outside of pinball games I've played in an arcade, to be honest with you. Altered Beast. You guys remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, know. I remember Altered Beast. I remember that game being packaged with the Sega Genesis, I think, yeah. when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Um, but it was popular because it was a, a fun arcade game. Yeah, you know, and 
yeah, you, you were always trying to, you know, stay, you know, as you know, keep your, keep your power as the altered beast, right? Be, be stay as the werewolf. You didn't want to get back to a human, right? Cause then you suck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's really cool how some of these games have survived 25 years of, you know, just the video game genre and video games itself developing over the last 30 years. But, oh, yeah. you know, Street Fighter is still probably one of the most popular fighting games out there. So is Mortal time. Kombat, um, Soul Calibur. I remember playing yeah. that in the arcade, the first one. Yeah, I think that's, that's up to great. like seven or eight now. Um, so, I mean, those games, like we fell in love with them for a reason because they were they were just a lot of fun. The core mechanic of, you know, facing an opponent that was another human being, it, you know, it's timeless. You know, it's proven it. I mean, even though our kids are dying or they've changed, um, like the stuff that we loved about going there, you know, hasn't changed. Soul still burns, Dave. It does. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that Voldo, I wish Voldo would change his outfit, dude. Why you got to be into BDSM, Voldo? Come on, man. <laughs> he did that crazy crab walk thing where he like rolled up and was back. It was like, like ah! He just took a page out of The Exorcist, right? Well, they were like, uh, well, we can't put Vega in the game. So we'll just kind of, you know. That's we'll what just... I always looked at. It's like, how do we troll Vega? It's like, I know. <laughs> right. Let's just make him a total pervert. Yeah, well, he was just too much. Well, yeah. thank you so much, gentlemen. This has been a wonderful walk down memory lane, and I hope to do it again sometime because I'm sure the second we log off, we're going to think of a million other games that we forgot to mention here. But... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, before we sign off, Dennis, can you tell our listeners again where they can find your stream on Twitch? Absolutely, yeah. Um, stream... Currently, you know, in the Pacific time zone um, from about 7 p.m. till whenever on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. Uh, and you can find me at twitch.tv slash the underscore chody, C-H-O-D-I-E. Next time we have you on, I'm going to find out the origin story of that name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. All right.